Welcome to the Doubled Up Podcast, the weekly podcast talking all things trainers, sneakers, kicks, creps, whatever you call them, wherever you are in the world. I'm Matt and with me as he is every single week is Scott. Scott, how you doing, mate? Good. I think there'd be a lot of people that are very happy that you did the intro this week and not me. Yeah. Oh, I got so many messages this week um, when you did the intro last week. So many people were saying, like, Matt, go back to doing the intro. Like, for, for everyone listening that also listened to last week's episode, don't worry. It was a one-time only thing. Last week, we celebrated our year anniversary of the podcast. So, Scott, through, it surprised me just as much as it surprised anyone else because he joined the Zoom call and said, Matt, can I do the intro this week? And I was just as freaked out as you guys. So don't worry. We're <laughs> back to uh, our, our usual um, kind of weekly introductions and things. Like this. And Scott, this is quite a big episode because we mm. decided about 15 minutes ago um, that this is going to officially be episode one of season two. So we've de- we've decided that seeing as we've done 52 episodes, a year of the Doubled Up podcast, um, we decided... Yeah, we'll just we'll just make this season two. Why not? Season two, episode one. Rather than episode fifty three, we are season two, episode one. We're starting again, mate. So every solid year we get through, we'll uh, we'll we'll up the season. Seeing as it, yeah, what fifty two weeks solid. Yeah, it seemed seemed an appropriate time. I know a couple of well, a couple of months ago we made the joke, didn't we, when we had uh, a good friend of the podcast, Ty Kicks, on saying like when when like where did season one come from and season one was a complete accident we just put it on a, a cover art one day and realized shit we actually now need to have a season two and a season three and a season four um but we thought 52 weeks we thought was a good opportunity to to to, to jump into season two um episode one so here we are here we are everything is the same but different scott and talking about that uh seeing as we are kind of officially into season two now and like we said this does all kind of feel a little bit same but different um the guests that we have on today know a little bit about doing things the same but different um we are delighted to introduce to the podcast this week uh, a brand that undoubtedly is going to absolutely take the sneaker game by storm something that we are very very excited about and we have been for for weeks this is weeks in the making um and uh, uh, they are here to talk about their first upcoming project and release that hopefully is releasing very very soon but please welcome to the podcast tian and wilson from dizygotic welcome to the podcast guys thank you guys happy to be here thanks guys how are we doing? Like you, you guys are obviously stateside. Um, we've already said that for you guys, it's like what middle of the day? Is it what like half twelve or something like that where you are? Probably not even that. Is it about half six where we are recording today? So, how's your day been so far? How is everything? Yeah, so far so good. You know, we're very excited to be on this podcast as well. And as you mentioned, it's a little bit right before noon on on our side, so we're we're getting our day um, started and then having the rest of the day to look forward to as well. I mean, you have to say that you're excited to come on this podcast. You have no idea what you've got yourself into yet. So, <laughs> um, trust, trust, words. yeah, trust me. No, people say that at the beginning of the podcast, and about halfway through, they think, "Why did I say that I was happy to be here?" Um, so <laughs> um, but, anyways, uh, right, guys. No, we're, we're very excited to have you on the podcast. We've mm. been chatting back and forth over the last couple of weeks. First of all, I have to shout out good friend of the podcast, um, Ben. 
because Ben was the guy that originally kind of put me on to, to, to you guys, Dizogotic as a brand. Um, I think I saw him share on his Instagram page one of your very first um, Instagram posts uh, of the silhouette. And straight away, I messaged him like, first of all, who the hell are Dizogotic? I actually had to Google how to pronounce it because I had no idea how to pronounce the name. And <laughs> second of all, where the hell can I buy this shoe? Because this thing looks absolutely amazing. So I'm very, very excited to have you guys on the podcast to, to talk a little bit about uh, the brand and, and the shoe and, and all of that jazz. But um, Tian Wilson, we uh, uh, we always start the podcast in the same way, uh, no matter who the, uh, the the guest is. And that is we just want to find out a little bit more about you. So we want to find out from you guys what your earliest sneaker memories are. Uh, I mean, for you guys working for, for, a, for a sneaker company, I don't know. Are you sneakerheads? Are you not? Let's find out. Um, so, Wilson, let's kick things off w- with you, mate. Tell us a little bit about your kind of earliest sneaker memories. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. So um, originally, I actually grew up in uh, Queens, New York, and then kind of moved over to um, rural New Hampshire uh, when I, as I got a little bit older. Um, so my experience has really just been more of, you know, kind of like Queens streetwear type of type of stuff, really more just like, um, I suppose, kind of like Nike Air Forces, right? More like, um, I mean, honestly, for me, my, my earliest memory, if I remember correctly, was more just uh, those very blocky DC shoes, like those those skater shoes oh, that yes. you might see. Yeah, yeah. I'm Love not proud DC. of it, but, you know, um, it's, it's everyone has to start somewhere. Right. And so no, you should be proud. You, know. of that, mate. you should <laughs> you should be proud. You should be proud. So for, for me, um, my my dad was massive into like skate culture where, where, when I was younger and things like this. And I remember uh, me and Scott have a very different um, start out to, to our introduction to shoes. Um, for for Scott, it was all about football boots or, or, or soccer boots. Um, and uh, every single time I would go to the shop and ask my dad for a pair of Nike Total 90s, he would say, no, um, you're not wearing those stupid shoes. You're wearing Vans or DCs. So I was put on Vans and DCs like very young. So there's nothing to be ashamed of mate i can 100 percent. i'm on your side with the, the the dc startup and you know you bring up a good point too so you know as i was growing up from you know queens and then got introduced into the more of the rural side of uh, new hampshire actually um you know the friends that i was kind of hanging out with too right um they went from more of um, those you know skate culture type of type of things into more i would say more like countryside and then more into more like uh, formal wear if you will, um, I recall as well, there's a lot of times where I would just go to like, you know, our local sneaker store and just pick out a few shoes. And my mom would just be like, no, 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 you're, you have a terrible sense of fashion right now. You are very young. You're not going <laughs> to get these pair of shoes. We're going to pick something very more generic. And then, you know, I would say steadily, slowly, but surely my, my tastes have, you know, eventually evolved into what they are now. And uh, realistically, I'm actually more into now, like, I suppose, um, trainers, more of like the leather type of sneakers, as well as boots, even and just anything of of that sort. And that's kind of um, more my fashion sense now, and especially being more in the New England type of area for for the state side. Right. Um, That area is more influenced from, I would say, honestly, the UK, as well as uh, France and uh, Montreal and Canada side. Right. Uh, all these type of things. So I'm more, I suppose, into that type of bespoke culture in, in a sense, um, at least later in my, my life. And so that's kind of where where my origin story, if you will, 
uh, comes from, from, you know, DC shoes to eventually growing my sense of fashion to maybe into, you know, more of the leather bespoke type of, type of shoe. I mean, you saying that you kind of moved to, to New Hampshire and, and grew up that side of America. Um, I used to live in the old Hampshire, as in Hampshire, UK. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we have that in common as well. We're both Hampshire boys. Um, but uh, Tian, what about you? What was your kind of introduction to sneakers? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. We were talking about it, you know, me and um, Wilson, probably people can't see us, but we're both Asian. And, but we're from completely different background. Uh, I was born in China. I moved to the States when I was, I would say, 16, 17 years old. Um, so it's a little bit different for me. I started um, to skate when I was um, about 13, 14 years old. And oh, cool. um, it's, yeah, it's because like skating, especially skateboarding, is not like a usual thing in China, um, to be honest. And you know, at that time of age, I just like, you know, um, school sucks. I don't want to be part of it. And, you know, <laughs> skating is a cool part. So, um, screw that. <laughs> so, um, I, I still remember the first time I wasn't really into sneaker culture specifically when I was a kid, I would say more like a skateboarding guy. So I still remember when my mom got me the first skateboard when I was um, when I was 13 or 14, and I was so excited. I slept with it for the oh, wow. first week or two, you know. So that's how I started. Um, my mom's side had some connection to the U.S. because part of my family living in the U.S. And at that point, uh, when I I went to some competition in China on um, skateboarding and you know there's uh, a local um skate shop in Iowa they kind of were, um you know do you want to you know join the team of skate here and uh, I was so excited as a kid I was like why not um so that's how I but you know my mom since my mom has a, a green card in the U.S. I, uh, and she was like oh okay if you want to go you can but you know Oh, we're not gonna support you anything but um but at that point you know i just i'm just a kid who who wanted to skate but uh so i came here when i was 16 or 17 and after a few years of skating um there's so many talented skaters here so my after my tempo dream kind of crashed and you know <laughs> asian parents like gotta go to school gotta go to school uh, so i moved from iowa i mean i i have a bunch of places in the states if you look at my amazon address list it has it was like <laughs> like 30 addresses <laughs> just because i had been moving like a lot i'm almost 30 now so um i actually just turned to 30 i always say i'm almost 30 but now i'm truly 30. uh anyways <laughs> um, for, for your th- <laughs> that's the big 3-0 that's a, that's a big milestone Thank you, but it also sucks to be served too. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, yeah, I was telling my girlfriend the other day, I mean, I'm officially cannot be 30 under 30 anymore just because, you know. <laughs> um, anyways, um, then I moved to, um, so after my parents told me, you know, Asian parents like, you got to go to college, I went to Cornell University, and that's how I, I mean, we can start on uh, that part of later in the conversation, but uh, that's how I met a lot of design people. Um, so initially, I got in college as a pre-architecture major, 
and um you know in Cornell I don't know if you guys are familiar with it it is like the top three um I think it's top three at least in the nation uh the best architecture school here that's oh, wow. how I met a lot of design people here basically an interesting story is that you know, uh, the first week when I joined the major, I I didn't know this before. They told me, okay, pre-architecture is five years. So instead of four years of college, you have to do five years. And I was, the, the, the reason I quit skateboarding is like financially, I can't, I couldn't support myself. And I was like, okay, I can't not do five years because I need to make quick bucks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the dean and I was like, oh, which major will allow me to make money they told me okay engineering and i was like okay i didn't really give a second sign you know okay that's it I'm, i would just want to make some quick bucks you know and after i graduate I want to make an instant job and everything but yeah that's how i actually met most of the design people in cornell that's uh, we're gonna mention later that's the we want to give it a full shape of the outline of the shoe that's why i asked one of my buddy in cornell um He's, um, he worked it for uh, Robert A.M. Stern Architects later on, and uh, his architect. So, you know, he gave us the general idea of the shape, and we just want a perfect shape, and we got it from him. Uh, we can talk about it later. But, um, yeah, that's how I kind of started. I'm nev never really a – so I was really into skateboarding, and that's why I have – I collect sneakers as well. So I have a big um, – pretty big collection of Nike Dunk SB. Uh, that's before everyone else started <laughs> to collect. Yeah. And we used to just yeah. skate with them, you know, like it's the perfect skate shoe. I like the, I used to wear like baggy pants and all that. And I, in my opinion, um, Nike, um, Nike SB Dunk is just like the perfect shoes, you know, uh, with baggy pants and all that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I have a lot of, but it's not like I'm just collecting them. It's more like just, kind of a weapon i don't know for me i like i use them a lot yeah, um, yeah. yeah uh, but that that's 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 my story it's a, a little bit long but yeah uh, you've done something that a previous guest has also done um a previous guest um harley Kicktiv holger um started telling his origin story like yeah, yeah, yeah i'm into music and then it turns out he was like signed to a band and like it was on a record label and things like this <laughs> you've gone yeah, yeah yeah when i was like 13 i was into uh skating and uh i like got sponsored by a company and did competitions and like when someone says i'm into skating that's like it's my hobby like you were doing competitions, you were signed. Like you came over. The man to a... was sleeping with a skateboard. I was I mean, gonna say that, yeah. that's more than just being into it. Yeah, I was gonna say like it's it. You very much, I think, have underplayed yourself there. But it's cool. I was gonna say, I was gonna ask like you saying at the end Nike SB and things like this. Like what what shoes were you into skateboarding? But it seems to be like the the, the S, you, you kind of came into skating at the SB era. I mean, if you're mm. if you're if you've just turned thirty, then what the Nike SB Dunk came in at about two thousand and two. So you must have been like as you were sixteen, seventeen, like right there in the kind of the, the heart of the mm. sb era so that's pretty cool yeah so it's um interesting that you mentioned that because um i don't know if you guys knew about the recent release i don't know if it did in uk the um uh, jagas what the paw not get uh, yeah, 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 SB. Yeah, yeah. so yeah uh, it's interesting that because i'm i'm a big fan of p-rod and i used to collect each of his um you know like sb done collection oh, cool. 
And those mismatch pairs that basically has all the elements of his past release uh, from Nike, right? So I have, I basically had all of them. It's kind of interesting that, you know, <laughs> this is like a, a combine of all of them, but, you know, I used to just have all of the, the past Amazing. original releases as kind of a, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> so you must, you must have like, if you have the, I don't know if you have the the new ones there, but you must kind of be like, I remember skating in that one and that one and that one, like looking at the shoe, thinking, yeah, I had that shoe there, like that panel, I had that shoe, and that panel, I had that shoe, and that must, that, that's uh, that's a pretty cool like accolade to say, like, yeah, I, I had. The it's shoes. more like, yeah, by looking at the prices on StockX, I'm more like <laughs> I should probably not skate the shoes and keep them. Oh, know? the prices of SBs now are so, insane. So yeah. it's it's more it's more the regret. Of this kind of like, well, I tore that shoe like doing this, <laughs> and like I ripped that shoe doing that, and okay. All right, I get it. Um, but uh, okay, cool. Well, it's good to know that you guys, like I said, a little bit. We always start by uh, a nice, easy, nice, easy question to kind of ease you into it. Like I said, what's your your sneaker history? And uh, I suppose the, the big thing that we're here to talk about, obviously today, is is the brand Dyes I got. You guys kindly took time out of your very busy schedules leading up to your first uh, launch of your your very first shoe, Project Alpha, which we're going to get into in a minute, uh, to tell us a little bit about the brand and the shoe and, and allow uh two idiots from the uk to grill you on your sneaker design and things like this but um i suppose that let's let's start with the brand itself there's there's probably a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that, that know of the brand and are eagerly waiting for the first release but there also uh, are going to be some people that are listening today that have never heard of Dizogotic before and let's probably start with telling us a little bit about about the brand um if you guys want to tell us kind of who Dizogotic are a little bit about the company maybe company ethos things like this just as a little bit of an introduction yeah, yeah, sure thing. So guys like Gothic and, you know, you mentioned something earlier that I'm very happy that you did as well, because we kind of did it on our end too, which is just look up how to even pronounce it, right? And just look up what it actually means. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, something for us that was really important, um, you know, when we were kind of, I guess, before we get a little bit started into that, um, you know, we, we kind of met actually through uh, a big tech company. And so something that we kind of saw during it, and I'll, I'll let I mentioned it because I know it's his, it's his favorite part. Uh, but basically, you know, we we work with a lot of um, folks out of Europe as well as out of Asia and folks from America as well. And we, we realized that there was a lot of attention to detail that they were really striving for, right? And these are just, you know, um, in within just engineering companies. So we were just kind of thinking, okay, what's something that, you know, we're both into that could use this level of detail and then at the same time, you know, what's a, I suppose, niche or just really like something that's missing out in the market, right? That um, some that no one has really done to a large scale before. Of course, you have a few folks that, you know, um, have been able to do something on a smaller scale, but uh, especially here in America, right? Uh, people, you know, can just throw on um, basically two different Air Forces as, as an example, right? And just slap on Air Maxes or something and just call it you know, mismatched, if anything. Um, for us, right, we wanted to really just be the, the name brand for a mismatched culture and just mismatched type of shoes and, and streetwear and that type of things because no one is really doing that from, like, the, the get-go, right? They usually establish themselves in, in some sort of way and then they do it as an add-on, as an afterthought. For us, that was our MO from the get-go. And so... 
Um, for dizygotic, right, the, the whole point of dizygotic is actually uh, just fraternal twins, right? So it's twins that are really look the same, but are different, as, as you kind of mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. And so um, that's something that, you know, we really looked at because no one is really doing a pair of shoes that are, you know, again, same, but different. And so as I kind of mentioned, uh, I'll, I'll share my screen real quick to see if I can... While, while while you're doing that, like for, for any of the, the listeners, um, uh, Tian and Wilson, uh, uh, Wilson is, is sharing a screen with us just to kind of talk us through some of the uh, uh, kind of key points that, that we're going to be talking through today. So if there's any uh, any sort of reference to, to slides or something like that, I know you guys can't see the slides, but it will make sense in the grand scheme. It will make sense in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> but um, while you're kind of getting everything loaded, Wilson, and things, like this, I'm glad you've said this because I'm going to be honest. Um, I, I have I, there's a couple of things that I dislike um, and I make it very well known and very apparent uh, on a weekly basis on this podcast. One of them is glow in the dark shoes and the, the other one is unnecessary mismatched shoes. Like that is one thing that is an absolute bugbear of mine. I absolute hate where companies just for the sake of it are like, yeah, here's one orange shoe and one green shoe. That, it doesn't make any sense. Whereas the thing that I love about, obviously we're going to talk about it in a little while, the thing I love about Dizygotic is you've literally created an entire brand that therefore means every mismatched shoe has a story. Like it has a purpose. The brand itself is built on same but different. So it would almost make no sense for your shoes to be the same. Yeah. So like was... in, instantly it's a win for me. Like it's, I, I love when mismatched shoes have a story behind it. I hate it when they don't. So straight away for you guys, you've, you've ticked that box there. But there's a, at least a story behind the design. Yeah, I really appreciate you mentioning that because that's that's actually something that I've been trying to drive um, for, for the team especially as well. Just um, And what I'm showing up here is just kind of our four corners approach to, you know, our, our, I suppose our, our ethos as well as... Um, just kind of what we what we're about, especially at that psychotic. So on on the screen and for the listeners, I suppose it's design, art, storytelling, and collaboration. Um, in particular, I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about you know art, storytelling, collaboration, and I'll let Tian um, talk about the design portion. But you know, as as you kind of mentioned, right? Something from that I've learned at least on on the marketing side, because I, I do work on the marketing portion of of engineering, right? Um, for what we were doing. And so what I realized, you know, working with all these folks and just being able to market essentially properly to everyone was everything has to have a story. You know, that's that's what's more compelling to people. That's what's more rememberable or more memorable. Right. To, to folks, people listen to stories. And, you know, if you look just through the history of even storytelling, right, that's how people pass on history, so on and so forth, just through word of mouth. And so. so being able to efficiently and concisely tell what our story is behind each shoe is something that's very important to us, right? And so, as you kind of mentioned, you know, every piece of detail, and Tian will get into this a bit too, um, has some meaning behind it. Everything that we've done thus far has some sort of meaning behind it. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't make sense for us to do, right? Like, as you mentioned, um, we're we're still kind of on the the smaller side of things, of course. But if you do something, you know, improperly, right, and just kind of slap together something, it's just going to look bad. And you know, 
we have at least developed our, our fashion taste to hopefully make sure that it doesn't look bad, right? Um, obviously, you know, we, we appreciate good comments, but we're also receptive to negative comments as well. You know, any piece of feedback for us is, is good feedback so that we can, you know, strive to do better in the future. But anyways, kind of going back to the, the ethos and the, just our mission uh, for, for Dizygotic, um, every shoe that we're doing, right, uh, every, every pair that we want, we want the pair to kind of just tell a certain story. Um, the story that we picked for our first drop, Project Alpha, was the Momo Taro story. Um, I won't go into it too much detail. Your listeners can also just um, search for it online, if anything. But to just give you a brief story, uh, it's basically of, of Peach Boy, a Momo Taro, who is a boy who uh, lived in a peach, really, and just was floating down a river. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, older lady and, and man uh, found him and then raised him and then he eventually grew up to then slay demons uh, if you will it's it's a pretty uh common story or well-known story rather in in east asia and asia asian cultures and so that's something that really just kind of um you know spoke to us at least but we realized of course you know this is a primarily japanese story and we wanted to do something that spoke more to that instead of just you know picking someone completely random. So just as an example for the art, you know, um, we decided to go and work with local Japanese artists, uh, tattoo artists out of uh, Fukuoka and a graffiti artist out of Osaka. And so, as I mentioned, right, we could have picked anyone from like, you know, LA, New York, anyone from stateside or from Europe. But since this is a Japanese shoe, we wanted to pick someone local, <laughs> you know, to to there. And yeah, yeah. Though their art styles that, you know, we'll, we'll slowly show. I think I can maybe show a few of them. Um, I don't think they're actually in here. No, I, think about, oh, you can kind of see. I just want to say, while you're kind of obviously putting these images up, like Matt said earlier that he was put on by Ben and all that. I wasn't put on by anybody. However, it was just the images yeah. and the marketing. So, I mean, yeah, props to <laughs> marketing. Because um, the images that have come up have just been so well beautiful and very intriguing as well um so yeah it's it's really good to actually see these yeah up close because yeah the imagery completely grasped me um looking at it, i think it's grasped a lot of people um and really kind of captured the imagination of everything so yeah absolutely beautiful for i really appreciate that that feedback too because you know as as part of the marketing team you know one of the things that we wanted to do um, you know, I've had some experience running some marketing campaigns for, for companies and so on and so forth. Uh, it's exactly what you're saying, right? It's, it has to be a forethought, right? Like we have to understand what we're doing from the get-go and it cannot be an afterthought, especially being part of a, a smaller brand such as ourselves, right? Like this is, has to be, imp um, you know, a priority from the get-go and, you know, I, I'm glad that it's speaking to you because that's exactly what, what we wanted to do. Well, yeah, we... yeah, and, you know, we we kind of, as kind of, I guess, like, trainer, enthusiast, sneakerheads, whatever you want to call us, like, we digest so much, like, through Instagram of, like, images of shoes for something to kind of grab you straight off the bat. Um, yeah, is it shows the work that's gone into it and... Yeah, it's it's yeah, just been absolutely beautiful to kind of see. And like I say, it's not. I've heard from other people as well that it's just it creates a lot a lot of intrigue. For sure, for sure. Um, to um, one, um, sorry, sorry to jump in, Wilson. One of the things that um, because I, 
one of the things that I'm always very conscious of when we get guests on is we, me and Scott are quite selfish in the sense of we get guests on the podcast that we want to talk to um in the nicest way listeners you are very much an afterthought we just want to talk to these people and hope that you enjoy the stories as well um but for, for, for the people that have never heard of dies i got it before i know we've kind of danced around the subject of dies i got it obviously you guys are a new sneaker brand you're introducing a new project called project alpha and you've mentioned there about the four kind of um major elements of uh, the company being that for every release you want to focus on design art storytelling and collaboration but i suppose before we get into those i know you've touched a little bit about storytelling collaboration and art already but do you mind giving us a little bit of a an insight into to the company itself like how did dies i got it actually start like where did the what's the origin story of dies Gothic, and then we can dive into the design and things like that i suppose in a little while yeah so that i got it's really um i guess um the mismatch idea was actually came before everything else first of all i'm uh, i'm not uh, my uh, my native language is not english i'm not usually a talkative guy so hopefully i can do this all right um wasn't always encouraged me to to speak more so i will try my best <laughs> uh you're smashing it mate sorry you're smashing it <laughs> yeah but we came up with mismatch idea actually before everything else um so the sneaker idea actually was after that um i think we're debating because sneaker market is such a huge market it's really you know a aggressive decision to stepping you know we were thinking about it but um once we decided we want to do that at the first at least first segment of the brand we uh we knew you know we have to really put a hundred percent into it and make it perfect um so i mean we kind of just review all the uh from the design side of it we kind of review every past i mean mismatched shoes like you said it's not a brand new idea people people and company um had done it in the past especially like recent year because the sneaker thing and everything i mean First of all, we started the company three years ago, and it took a whole, almost three years for us to come up with, actually not come up with finishing the first uh, Project Alpha. But, you know, um, three years ago, the sneaker is not, I mean, the sneaker thing just kind of starting, becoming like a thing, I guess, but it's not as huge as, you know, the past years or whatever, but, um, you know, we review all the mismatch concept or product on the market, starting, you know, from the first, probably the first one is the uh, Nike Dunk SB, what the Dunk, I think that's probably the first mismatch shoes I ever saw. And uh, also later, uh, uh, Ronnie did, a, um, did the, uh, uh, the mismatch one as well. I think there's a few other brands that you know um they mismatch ideas as well we i think the recent one is the full fight which is pretty popular um you know by Saucony. and um yeah, yeah yeah i mean like there's a lot of existing um mismatch shoes on the market for us it's really how we can make it better and how we can make it different right so this is our um our main mission, I would say, and uh, and we pick 
um, trainer and runner, whatever you called it, as the first uh, project alpha. Just you know, first project, just because you know it's more from business perspective, it's more conservative way to kind of step in this market. And <laughs> uh, we kind of review all the runner model uh, on the market. You know, um, you name it: New Balance, Sockney, Diodora, uh, New Balance, whatever. We kind of bought all the models, uh, waste a lot of money, um, <laughs> and you know, wanna go do your exactly, research. yeah. But um, th- th- I mean, y- y- I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to cut in there, but um, that was actually one of the things that I wanted to ask you guys about. For anyone that hasn't seen the pictures of Project Alpha, again, it's another topic that we've kind of danced around. Um, you guys at Dizagoti, like I said, Project Alpha is going to be the first project that hopefully should be releasing soon. Um, for anyone that hasn't seen the shoe, it is a, a beautiful looking runner. There are two colorways that are coming out and we can touch upon the colorways and things like this um, in a little while. I mean, technically, we're going to say four colorways because they are mismatched. Um, but uh, uh, no, there's, there's two different uh, two different pairs that are going to be coming out. Um, uh, but one of the things that you kind of mentioned it there, Tian, about the, the fact that it's a runner and it's a more conservative way of entering the market. For you guys being stateside, um, I was super intrigued the fact that you picked that style of shoe. Obviously, there are lots of successful um, companies that do runners or trainers, as you guys call it. Obviously, New Balance being the biggest one at the minute who literally made their name through kind of runners and the birth of, of companies like Nike are obviously through running shoes. Um, but the US market especially is very heavy into basketball shoes at the minute. Like if you're going to say the two biggest silhouettes in the world right now, Jordan 1's flat-soled basketball shoe, a Nike Dunk, a flat-soled basketball shoe. Like what made you guys pick, other than the fact it was a conservative, conservative choice, why a runner? Um, I mean... It's um like I said, one part of it is uh, more like a business, more conservative business decision because you know mismatch is already a pretty crazy um crazy idea, and we don't know yeah. how well the market will take it for the first project, and you know that's why we're, we we kind of had a long conversation and endless meeting about you know what should we do like basketball shoes or runners and because the runner is pretty it's not as popular as in europe let's say right in at least in the in the states but it's also the one we see the potential actually you know um and like we said the, the reason is because you asked that because the reason we call it project alpha it's because it's just a start uh, you know uh there's many more coming so not necessarily means it's the end of it you know, uh, if you want to see more, we're we're working on some cool projects right now. Actually, you know, um, I think it will eventually surprise people. The first, I mean, the first one is a very gave people kind of like some time to really adapt the the brand and everything. But um, I think Runner personally, I personally like Runner just because it works for everyone, and this is also a very key uh, thing we're trying to target. We're trying to really target for everyone. And, you know, not only this um, more like street style people, but also more like fitness casual people. I think runner is a good category that, you know, works for uh, majority. I won't say everyone, but at least majority of the people it can go with, you know, um, any pants or clothing, basically. So um, just, it, I think it's just an overall very uh, mutual way, I guess. 
No, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, first of all, you're speaking my language anyways, because as the listeners and, and Scott will uh, attest to, um, I don't wear anything but runners. If it's not uh, an old if it's not an old school looking runner, it's not going on my feet. So, I mean, you're, you're speaking my language there. But also, you, you're right, it, it does make sense. I mean, if you think about the mainstream kind of sneaker community, which in itself, yes, it's grown over the last three years since you said earlier, kind of, guys, I got excited three years ago. I'm sure when you started this company versus where the industry is now, it's probably absolutely blown up in in the last three years. And it's probably a very different landscape now you releasing your first shoe versus when you first started designing it three years ago. Um, But uh, I think if you think about the, the general population, the average person that is running to the store or going to pick up the kids or like I said, going between business meetings or, or, or whatever it is that you're possibly doing, going on a hike, going on an afternoon walk, like those people are wearing runners. They could be Nike, they could be Adidas, they could be New Balance, they could be anything, but that mass market, like people like comfort, like we are living in an, er- an era where it's no longer kind of uh, painful fashion. Everyone wants to be comfortable and everyone wants something that's going to be long lasting. So I think a runner is a very, very smart choice. It, it applies to the masses rather than just the the niche sneakerhead that wants another version of a Jordan 1. Mm, definitely. And to be fair, I mean, I guess it's kind of even though you set up three years ago, the current trend has probably helped because... Dad shoes. You know, everyone yeah, has a dad shoe. You know, the, the rise of New Balance out of kind of nowhere the past couple of years all of a sudden people are now looking at runners way more. Um, we've got so many friends that are now like looking at New Balance and even like Adidas ZX, like other runners um, and thinking like, actually, I, I want these. Um, and it's, yeah, it's quite a takeaway. So yeah, it's, um, you've kind of, you kind of prepared for this almost. It's like you knew. And it's also like uh, one way, because that is our, niche is really just being unique and being different and if we look at the market i don't really are uh, trying to diss Nike or anything i personally love phil knight as a as a leader um he's my role model as well but uh if you look at the market that um all the sneaker models um no matter it's a uh, you know skateboarding shoes or basketball shoes they nike probably touched them all with all the collabs and all that the only one, you know, I mean, this year, of course, they, I, I'm kind of like expect, expecting that they're doing the uh, um, Air Max, but the only category that not many people um, has has been touched um, is runners. Um, so this is only, basically, this is the only thing left. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is the category yeah. we're trying to do something, you know, it's still stay pretty original. I would say not a lot of, um, you know, uh, collab and other stuff going on in the past at least and uh yeah we want to i think it's just a good starting point for us i, I completely agree i mean um let, let's maybe i think that's a, a good introduction to the brand um as a whole i think w- what we really want to talk about is um the uh, the kind of the actual makeup of the shoe and the construction of the shoe and things like this and we'll try our best for any sort of listeners obviously you are listening to something that really needs to be experienced visually so 
before we kind of dive into the construction, if you haven't already listening to this episode, if you haven't already pulled up Instagram and searched Dizygotic, then you're probably missing out a trick because you're going to want to look at these shoes while listening to this podcast. So 100% everyone now go onto Instagram, Dizygotic Official on Instagram. Make sure that you follow that and make sure you start scrolling down and looking at these shoes. But we've already established that it is a runner. Um, do you mind talking us through a little bit of the makeup of the shoe? So the makeup, the shoe itself has some lovely looking materials, some really cool looking colors. Tell us about some of the decision making that you had to go through in regards to actually designing and constructing Project Alpha. So I'll go ahead and get started with it and then I'll let uh, Tim finish up with it. I think one of the first decisions that we kind of had to really make, um, it was, and it is definitely a conservative decision, at least our, our thoughts on it, was just the the sole of the shoe, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the sole of the shoe is literally the, the sole of the shoe. Yeah. And so... You know, for us, we are using Vibram soles. Uh, Max Grip Four, I believe, is what the the soles actually are. And so, you know, part of it, you know, we under—it's not like we can't make our own soles, right? Um, we understand that as a small brand, we do need additional help, right? We we need help in terms of um, just more market awareness, really. And part of it was uh, we knew Vibrams are very comfortable. You know, I mean, I I have a few pair of shoes, uh, hiking shoes, so on and so forth that just have Vibram soles, you know, I trust in, in their brand. And so we knew automatically that, you know, we wanted to work with them in terms of just our first release. Uh, and like I said, it is a conservative approach to it, but at the end of the day, I think it's still the, the right decision because as we found out later, we had to come up with a lot of more decision-making and just in terms of which soles to make. And we can go into that in a bit too, but um, the biggest decision, if anything, was just the fact that our whole concept is mismatched shoes. And so we learned a lot more about, you know, shoemaking in terms of just, you know, the soles the, and the designs, the silhouettes. But really with the soles, though, you know, it's, 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 a, it's like a waffle iron. It's like a, it's like a press, right, where you're able to just uh, crank out these, these soles. The problem, though, is that we want to mismatch colors. Right. And it's not like you can just buy, you know, for instance, like 400 pairs of greens and 400 pairs of purples and then just slap them together. And then, you know, you can face a lot of quality, quality control problems in, in that sense. Right. Someone just repair, gets a pair of shoes and it's actually mismatched, but not the right mismatched colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a disaster that we we definitely did not want to, you know, face. And so we actually worked and collaborated with uh, Vibram initially to and we are the their first customers actually using mismatched souls. So um, that that story, I suppose, uh, did involve uh, our our manufacturing lead, where we were in contact with their their stateside contacts. But then we basically had our manufacturing guy go out to their manufacturing factory and show them our concepts of what we wanted to do. And you know, initially, of course, like with most most brands and most companies, they we got the rejection, right? They didn't want to deal with us, so on and so forth. But then we kept on persevering and pressing on, and eventually, we found someone that's uh, on one of their lead manufacturing uh, floors as well that was really into it, right? They really loved the concept. They knew exactly what we wanted, and you know, we were off to the races, I suppose. And I'll, I'll let Tim finish up the story too, because I know he he was more involved in it. Yeah, I mean, like, this is like Wilson said, and I will mention later, like, the most common thing we heard throughout the journey is this has never been done before, you know, and uh, um, I mean, we have our own team to build up the shoes, so it kind of, like, 
reduce the friction a little bit, but you know, um, talking about the vendors is definitely the hardest thing because this kind of mismatch idea. Not everyone is into it. You know, they have to think about you know a the risk of doing it and everything. And uh, but for us, I know it's a very American way to do things, but we never really take no as an answer <laughs> and uh that's the best way to do it yeah. <laughs> when we heard no from library we uh we send out the guy overnight to their site and you know bring out the shoes and concept and to show them like i i told louis um you know uh, you gotta just go and show them the actual product before you know to in order to convince them just it has to be done that way um so we're glad that's you know that 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 was done. That's a huge, um, I mean that's a huge thing for us. Just because you know um, everything we can control, we can conquer the problem. But if the vendor said no to us, like you basically have to convince other people to to be on board, and that's a hardest thing, I guess. Uh, first of all, we I'm the development lead um, in this team, but doesn't necessarily mean I do everything. Uh, I mean, I can just develop, develop a pair of shoes. I'm, I have some design background as well, but uh, for me, I usually use this example, right? If you perform a surgery, if a surgeon, you need help from the whole team to do it. It's, you are the sure. one who did it, but you, know, you, you need the whole team who's responsible for different kinds of stuff to help you out to know better about the patient and everything, um, you know, you need internal and you need, you know, what whatever the you know the patient has, you need to consult other people as well. So that's that's how we did it as well. First of all, um, when we talk about silhouette, we start with the out the uh, outside shape of it, right? So we ask ourselves, uh, we don't just want to use any footwear designer because they won't give us the perfect shape. We need an architect to do that. So I knew my buddy from Robert Amster. I knew him from Cornell. Um, he uh, he was working for um, Robert Amster uh, at the point, and I was like, buddy, you gotta give me this perfect shape of the shoe. I need it to be perfect, firm, and in order to do that, if you if you guys uh, have the shoe in hand uh, later, you can see we don't even need any insert to make the shape uh, firm because naturally it will come with a pretty perfect uh, shape already. So that's, we got that out of the way first. And then the next piece is up, how, how about underlay? How about the curves inside it? So we consult a bunch of, we have two designers, one who worked it for other brand, I can't name it, but the other one who is a UI designer, because we know no one is better at, you know, curves and lines than the UI designers. Um, so, and he basically did 25 iteration. When I say 25 iteration, I don't just mean the draft. We, did, we had 25 samples uh, and that's not 1.1, wow. that's from 2.1. So. 1.1 to 1.12 is actually the idea we didn't make sample from 2.1 you know to 2.25 we did samples so you, you can kind of see the the whole thing that's crazy exactly that's mad but uh, i mean it, it, it looks like i said the, the um the 
I'm kind of a, a little bit lost to words in the sense of the um, the overall process. Like you guys are literally turning over every single rock to try and make sure that this thing is perfect also it helps having a friend who's an architect that you can say come on mate let's just uh <laughs> d- d- do me a solid here let's make let's make this a perfect shoe yeah i don't want to review everything but um phil down who is a guy who helped us out he actually had another idea uh, i mean this is not project alpha of course but the later project we're working on but he had uh, some amazing idea about the mismatch um, shoes and all that. And uh, yeah, hopefully I we will be able to show you guys pretty soon. But yeah, that's that's part of it. Let's get Project Alpha out of the way first and then we can deal with uh, we, we can deal with the <laughs> second one afterwards. So, okay, so the starting point was the shape. So you guys were dealing with the upper, the shape. You got the shape perfect. Um, one of the things that I want to really know about is uh, materials. Like this is something me and Scott are really big into materials and quality of materials. Scott especially is a real nitpicker when it comes to materials. And from the pictures, it looks as if you guys have used a lovely kind of suede. I mean, you guys mentioned earlier that your background is uh, kind of, uh, uh, Wilson especially, your kind of personal taste is leather shoes. But someone that likes leather shoes, why did you decide to make a suede shoe? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very good point, actually. <laughs> um, uh, so it goes two ways, right? We actually came up with the um, green and purple colorway first. And so, you know, that was kind of already out there, right? It's very, um, you know, fashion forward in that sense. But I wanted to just kind of have a little bit more of a conservative uh, approach to it in the sense that, you know, something to just wear with more formal wear, you know, kind of as I was mentioning in, in my background, right? I think um, not everyone, I mean, it, we want the shoes for everyone, but in order to do that, we need to have colorways that are suitable for everyone as well. Um, the reason why we chose suede, honestly, I like the feeling of suede, you know, I like, don't get me wrong, I love leather and I have a whole bunch of leather boots and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, there's just something different about suede that like, you know, you have to be a little bit more careful with it, right? If you if you get it wet, it's gonna be absolutely ruined. Um, you know, there's just that next step up in terms of, you know, I I know Tian doesn't want me to say it, but it's more of like that that luxurious feel, right? Of saying like, hey, you know, here's leather. Everyone has leather, so on and so forth. But let's take the next step up in terms of quality, and you know, that's why part of the reason why we decided to go suede. We we did a lot of different iterations, as as Tian's gonna go into on the actual material too and that was a difficult process but realistically I, th- I think at the end of the day you know we wanted to to make sure that it all you know a we could get the certain colorways that we wanted on the actual shoes right these are all pieces of, of leather and suede and so we wanted to make sure we could actually get um the, the certain colorway too right yeah yeah so basically um we cover, I was talking about, we cover about the shape of the shoes. We cover about the overlay, the curves of the shoe. The last piece is like, um, like Matt just mentioned, is a material. And for us, material really is just a baseline for us. Because um, if you look at the market, right? Uh, we, like I just mentioned, we re- review all the product in the market, all the brands in general. Um, if you look at uh, Ronnie Fag, it's pretty good at colors. If you look at Fear of God, um, you know, it's pretty good at the overall shape of it. If you look at material, you know, kangaroos, probably everyone's talking about how good, uh, how good material kangaroo use, right? So we're, we asked ourselves, why can we be all of them, right? 
and we set this baseline. That's why we bought all the shoes on the market. We're trying to at least be as good as each of their strengths, basically. So the third missing piece is definitely the material. And the way we handle material is what we want to be on par at least with what's the best on the market. And uh, we, uh, we contact the color science people and uh, uh, material people. And we have two female friends from um, Parsons School of Art and uh, they help us with the material selection and colorway. So uh, it's, it's good that Matt just mentioned, right? Nowadays, what's missing in the mismatched shoes are like people can make two different shoes and just call them a pair. The, the design challenge for us is really how do we make a pair of shoes that, you know, they're mismatched, but the, the first thing people, want, the first time people saw it, they will be like, they know they're a pair, right? So it can be done in a few ways. Um, if you look at the purple and green-ish pair, um, it's more like um, from the left and right shoes, you know, it's, we pick this two uh, green and purple colors, they're the uh, complementary color basically on the color wheel. And it's very kind of opposite, but uh, in a way that kind of transit uh, the right and the right to the left, it kind of transit, you know, from the toe to the heel, you know, kind of opposite direction, you know, and uh, that's the one way of doing it. And the second one, the uh, navy and the gray, gray one, we kind of do this um, in a um, compensate each other as a color blocking. Um, there's a second way of doing it. Of course, the next release we're gonna do is more like story-based. So there's gotta be something that connects those two shoes to make them a pair it can be color it can be you know color blocking it can be story but it gotta be something there to tell people they're a pair you can't just throw just random two pair uh, random two shoes and just call them a pair right? also the color as well if you look at the color people usually go oh this is just purple we tweak it a little bit actually the when you're talking about material the uh, the material is actually i don't want to be cocky anything but material is really the easiest thing for us because like material is basically if you pay more you get better and that's like that, that, that's like no brainer if you want a better material you basically pay more and there's no effort involved basically and and for us we don't really care about the cost especially for the first release so we just go ahead and use the best material we can find on the market <laughs> and there's like no really question and no even sense. yeah there's no meeting even in bar because i just go ahead and tell me to use the best material and this, i think the challenge really comes with you kind of have to make some decision between you know the material and the color you want because now you're talking about uh, let, let's give you an example of the colorway too uh it's navy and people when people saw this shoe they will say it's black and uh, black and white, black and gray. It's actually not black and it's not gray either. The black has a little bit, it's, the color is between black and navy. And the other one is lilac. It's basically between lilac, it's called lilac hint. It's between lilac and gray. So it's the it's color in between. So in order to get, okay. exactly. So in order to get this color, we have to basically dye, uh, color dye our own leather. And this process is a little bit harder. So you're talking about 
picking the best way, smooth, and you know, you guys always like a little bit hairy, a little bit, you know, uh, kind of um, um, what's the word? I forgot uh, that type of feel. But when you color dye it, it will kind of ruin it a little bit, basically degrade it. Uh, after all, color is color dye is the kind of like solution after all, right? So this is like the kind of tricky part. So picking the best material is like a no-brainer for us. We just pay more for it, but to get everything together and make it perfect, that's a challenge, I would say. I mean, it makes it makes all of a sudden it makes something. I mean, by all means, designing a shoe doesn't seem like an easy thing whatsoever. But I didn't realize, like you said, it's it's thought upon thought. Like you, when you said, "Oh, it's a no-brainer. You just pick the best material and put it on a shoe." It's like. Oh yeah, that is a no-brainer. <laughs> but then when, but then when you think about the fact that it's like, but then also we want the perfect color, and therefore you have to start experimenting. Funnily enough, me and Scott, um, we went to a, a big UK um, uh, trainer event uh, this weekend or sneaker event this weekend, and we bumped into um, uh, Leon Avery, um, and uh, uh, Leon is, is is also bringing out his own shoe, um, and he was saying he was showing talking us through uh, the shoe and, and the fact that he had to get certain colors like specifically made for the shoe to make it it was like a, a, to- a specific tone of brown that he was like i had to have the perfect brown and it seems to be like listening to you guys it's the same it's like i don't want black and i don't want navy i want the perfect in between between black and navy and i don't want gray and i don't want lilac i want the perfect in between so there's so much intention and, and things that you you don't necessarily think about when you're the consumer side that when it comes to the design um like i said it it, it it the little things that matter i mean talking about little kind of designs like that uh little aspects of the shoe that you don't you don't see initially are there any other little kind of like design gems that to the untrained eye you wouldn't notice but actually to you guys it's like this is very specific yeah it's, it's a little well we i can talk that all day long wilson's always like always gave me the no sign like no you should you should probably stop here but uh there's a lot we can really because <laughs> like he's sitting like right right uh right next to me so we're in the same room so he always gave me like gesture you should you're just getting a kick under you the table probably, as a marketing I, I i i i tell you you should probably stop here but <laughs> anyways um um so um yeah, I mean, there's a lot really to talk about. Obosa mentioned that we use vibrant soles. I was about to say, uh, I mean, the ch- challenges they're having is really, they usually run, because um, w- when you make so you put it in the mold, right? They usually run mold by pairs. And if you're telling them to run different colors of the, the soles, they're basically having, you know, have to run. Imagine like the waffle maker, right? Now you basically yeah. have to, run separately for each color, which for them is extra production cost. It's totally understandable why they uh, said no to us in, in the first place. But yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, uh, we can throw, if we uh, team decide if we want to use, so I mean, there's many people, not many other brands we saw use the same vibrant show as us, as the shape of it. But I think what's missing on the market is really, you know, how well they, use the curves of the upper to match the sole. I think that's the most important. If you decide to use, you know, anyone, anyone else, um, like the third party soles, you have to make sure the upper actually can can actually go with you. I mean, this is not, the picture is not the final one we did, but kind of show you the idea. The uh, curves have to kind of go with the, you know, the, 
the the curves on the it has to fit the, as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you kind of final version of the silhouette, we we mentioned we did twenty five iteration of it, right? The reason is like not not like we made this decision randomly. We just keep doing samples. The reason is like if you look at the model, there are no single straight lines in the silhouette, and the reason is that um, except for the two that's that's. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the reason for that is we don't really want the stiff look of it and making curve. Um, as you, you guys have to visualize it, basically. If you have all curved lines in a shoe, it's really hard to get the spacing between each curve perfectly because now you have multiple curves in, like in parallel. And like, how can you make something basically the spacing is very hard to make it right and if you look yeah. at the market the only model that doesn't really have any straight line that we saw is probably new balance 991 and so she probably has not like doesn't have any straight line in the design but every other runner if you just pick random one you, you guys can this is a little bit just like mass you probably won't know this when you had a shoot but you really have to really pay attention to, you know, <laughs> really look into it. Now I mentioned that you can go and pick any model and look at it. It will have some, has somewhat straight line into the design just because, you know, straight line is, uh, straight line is the easiest thing um, to, to have um, in a model like that. So um, this is a household. So, uh, if you look at the, this is actually a brown piece of, I don't know if you guys, I probably, yeah, this is a this this is a brown piece of a longer longest curve in the design. We tweak that single curve about seven times just to get that right. The reason behind it that is wow. uh, yeah, this this brown piece. The reason is that if you look at it, it's not hard. If you cut it from a piece of leather, it's not hard to make it the curve. But the the challenge is really because this curve is on top of all the you know, all the other pieces. When you have it on all the other pieces, it will kind of distort the curve a little bit and we can't allow it. So basically that's how we did just seven samples to make this single curve perfect. The level of detail is blowing my mind. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just this everything that you've spoken silly, about in, in terms way, of... Silly. Yeah, um... It's just phenomenal. The level of detail on the materials, on the midsole, outsole, everything. It's And every time I look at the images that you're putting up on screen, I'm noticing something different that's jumping out. And it, it's just absolutely phenomenal it really yeah. is and, and you very much you've very much educated me in regards to the straight lines again these are little things i knew that they would be from 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 the way that you guys have designed this shoe i knew there would be little things that you wouldn't even think of the fact that you were saying there about that particular curve line is did you say it's the longest curve line in a shoe design or yeah this is the hardest one i i think it will is this one this s shape one uh wilson can kind of move the mouse to show you the brown yeah, piece yeah. base uh, it's not only the longest curve i think the uh, the yeah i guess you can kind of see here it's also yeah, it, it, yeah. it cross like multiple pieces layer right so some of the partial of it has like let's say two layer underneath it some of them uh this partial of it has like three layer underneath it 
So when you put them all together, this longer this longer curve just look like it will kind of being distorted um, in part of it when you look at it um, sideways. Yeah. And this is not something we can allow or <laughs> something that I can allow this is, in this study. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. I mean, the, the level of perfection is absolutely amazing. The one thing I'm very conscious of is I think selfishly me and Scott could sit here and talk to you guys all uh, afternoon, but there are a couple of other things that I want to, to chat with you about. I think we could end up doing an entire podcast just on the curved lines on this shoe, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I really wanted to talk to, I mean, definitely listening to this conversation, I'm, I, we, are, we are saying so many amazing details about these shoes, but we're even not going to be doing it justice because we can't go into every single detail again i cannot stress enough if you are listening make sure that you go onto their instagram onto the website check out the shoe one thing that i cannot not address before we uh, let you guys get on with your busy afternoon um, is the box one thing that every sneakerhead loves probably more than shoes themselves is shoe boxes um your shoe box is one of the most interesting boxes i've ever seen in my life the, the box itself holds the shoe perfectly and it opens outwards it doesn't flip it doesn't slide it literally looks like a suitcase um where on earth did this concept of the box come from because it's absolutely perfect yeah so i think part of uh Part of it, as you're seeing, right, um, what we kind of talk about in, in the company, too, is just user experience and really customer customer experience, really. So um, I'm a huge fan of just like unboxing stuff, realistically. And, um, you know, part of part of it, too, you know, what company kind of has like the, the most perfect unboxing experience in, in people and in consumers minds. Right. Um, we'll, we'll big it. We'll call it the big, uh, you know, company out in California that makes a lot of phones <laughs> and stuff, but, uh, oh, basically, wow, right. Man. They, they even have, yes, yes. Um, they even have like, you know, packaging engineers to really, you know, go in to specifically look at this detail. Um, the, the, the main thought for us was really just more, you know, as soon as our customers get this, what do we want them to see? Right. We want them to see both the shoes in a perfect way. Um, to just to really show off the mismatch, right? And then at the same time, all the various accessories. Now, um, some of the stuff that I know Tian wanted to hit upon too, and I'll, I'll let him do that. But um, it's mainly this side that you can kind of see, and then this side. So it's magnetic on both sides. Wow! And you're able to um, once you fully, you know, open it on the other side, you'll be able. It, it's hard to tell on this one, but you'll see the butterfly logo on the back as well. But I'll, I'll let uh, Tim talk more. Yeah, so basically, like also mentioned that the the word we use here in in the in the team is we use the phone, this phone brand like execution. I don't know if you guys are big fan of that phone brand, but anyways, um, so basically, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. You don't want to start that. You don't want to start that argument. You do not want to start one of one of us. One of us is a fan of that brand, and the other one is firmly not. So uh, you, you're appealing to at least fifty percent of the podcast, right? Okay, now. fine, fair enough. I mean, we only have to please some some people right it's really hard to please yeah, exactly, like, all the exactly. people <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can't please you can't please everyone you can't please everyone <laughs> anyways i mean the, the idea is really we either 
we either don't do it or we do it perfectly, right? So, um, and the box is just part of it. So we are really taking the extra steps. Everything we do here, like Wilson said, there's a reason behind it. Um, and if you look at the standard shoe box, it really sucks. And you, $200 shoes come with a regular cheap cardboard box. And it just has been ages. Like people just do it. People just do it that way, especially, I mean, especially for huge collectors, right? It doesn't really make sense that you bought both a $500 phone and a pair of $500 resale shoes and you throw away the fancy phone packaging and you kept the shitty cheap car box, shoe box. It just <laughs> doesn't make any sense to us, you know? Obviously, it, the, um, was it the, the Aim Leon Door New Balance? Like honestly, the thirteen hundred, the box that that comes in is like paper. It is ridiculous. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, we actually knew why why we we're like doing it. Now we can we understand why other people don't do it. First, material cost and the shipping cost, right? And and some factory they won't even make it for you because the quantity is small. They wouldn't even do it. And um. If you look at the shoe box, there's certain shoe box factory that they're special specializing making shoe boxes, right? So we actually, um, I don't know if it's good to mention, we buy, we we use this luxury brand. I'm just gonna say a Balenciaga. We we use their factory uh, for almost uh, we we work with them for almost a year, and and we have to fire them in the last minute just because they keep they kept telling us we have never done this before and this is something we just hate to hear and we have to hire someone else last minute to to design it but anyways um so everything there's a reason behind it we if you look at the shoe box the, the, the first side is it looks nice but we want everything we do in the design team. We ask ourselves, uh, what's the reason behind it, right? And we do it always for, 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 for the reason, including the logo. You know, the, if you look at the butterfly, it has mismatched wings that represent the idea. Also, the box, but only be, not because of a nice look, but also this is the two door design, it's a perfect way to represent the mismatched shoes. Um, that's a front, right? If you look at the back we have the um, butterfly logo printed on it um it's a uv logo and when you open the box it's kind of like the butterfly opens its wings so there's just it's just not only for the good look but everything gotta has a meaning behind it um so this is also you know part of the the company um company belief i would say you know um and I like, we mention this all the time. We, uh, my personal favorite person in, uh, you know, in this related industry is um, a, the founder. I don't know if you know, Stan Socks. Um, one of their founder is uh, Jeff Curl. Uh, I don't think he works um, for Stan anymore, but he's a very wise man. And he said this in an interview. Uh, in business, people say the word best practices a lot. And in every broad meaning, you hear it, right? And he's saying it is the dumbest term because best practices are what everyone else is doing. So best practices are actually common practices, right? And common practice will usually only deliver below average result. 
So, and this is important, especially for a startup brand, I think, you know, you are already the underdog. And there, I mean, we always say there's nothing really to be proud to be an underdog, you know, you need to have independent thinking to see how to be better than everyone else. You have to learn all the, all the best practices in order to, you know, come with your own individual thinking and just be better than everyone else. And this is not easy, you know? So you don't wanna just, that, that's why we never really, we, we hate to hear this has never been done before. I mean, if we just do what everyone else do, just being a copycat, you know, we can literally just take someone else, someone else, you know, employee handbook and just do whatever other people do, just copy, copy and copy. And we eventually we're just being a copycat, right? So, and it's like, this, this is the, I think the most misunderstood term that people always mention is being, being independent, being a independent brand, like it's almost became a, an excuse of not doing things perfectly. Um, another story Wilson can tell you all about it is like, we tell ourselves, you know, marketing is essential and it's dumb that you know independent brand that they keep saying well, because we're independent we don't spend a lot on marketing we don't do marketing if you think about it it's like you're a college student and you're doing this final project and the final day of the uh, presentation you tell professor i cannot do the presentation because i'm bad at it but i have this perfect project finished right so marketing but people understand marketing differently nowadays and they think it's like it's like a it's, it's like a negative term but in fact marketing is in our opinion is part of the story it's part of the product nowadays people don't you don't really only buy this especially sneakers they don't only buy it just because the shoes right you can wear any shoes it's marketing is really the way you express your opinion, you express your design idea to people. There's a way, you know, gave people reason to buy. Again, you know, we always tell ourselves, the customer don't own you anything. They don't have to buy from you. They can buy from, you know, any established company and brand. They already have everything built up and uh, why they want to buy from you. You have to be on top of all of them to give people the excuse to buy from them. If money is not on your side, you know, for marketing, you have to even work harder on marketing instead of not working on it. Now you don't have money, you have to think about it. How can you make it better to make people understand your product? Um, you guys are literally blowing our minds. Like, I mean, mm. there's, no, there's no other way of saying it. Like every thought is absolutely um, incredible. And I almost don't want to, to, to turn this off, um, but I'm very, very conscious that you guys have some uh, kind of, you have, you have very busy schedules and this episode is going to be like three hours long if, if, uh, <laughs> if we don't kind of somehow uh, put, a, put, a, put a pin in it and pause it. Um, I'm so, so impressed with this um, project and I'd be an absolute fool not to ask the, the big question, which is, do we have a release date yet? Um, I will say very soon. Uh, we can tell you that we, we <laughs> were well we answer. were supposed to release on uh, this week. I mean, at least announced this week. But 
Uh, we're delaying it. Hopefully, in the next two weeks, we will have something announced. So, really soon. I hope everyone can buy them as a Christmas gift. But yeah, we have some stuff in the works uh, as well. So that's why we're we're delaying it. Right. Um, we want to make sure that even our release, if you will, is perfect. And so um, no one wants to hear it. it's delayed, right? But as you guys mentioned previously, everyone's kind of experiencing delays. So I think we're, we're in the clear. I mean, I just want to say, like, the marketing, as I said, the images are beautiful. The shoe is incredible. And the details and thought that's gone into it is, like I say, it's genuinely blown my mind. And that is the best shoe box I've ever seen. Like I, I've, I have not seen a brand that has done a box to that level, to that just level of detail and like everything about it, the way the shoe is presented as you open the box is just top, absolutely top notch. I can't, I, I'm genuinely lost for words after all that. I just, it's this, uh, yeah, I'm out, I'm out. Scott's done. Scott's done. Well, I think, guys, um, th- 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 I think on, on that bombshell, I'm really sorry if you had kind of reels and reels of information that you wanted to go through. I mean, like I said, 100%, you're going to be badgered by us um, after today. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to be we're going to personally going to want to know lots more information. So uh, but I think now, while Scott is recovering from having his mind literally blown and melted um, all at the same time, I think now is probably a good opportunity for us to move on to our next segment and unfortunately say goodbye to you guys uh tiana wilson i just want to say thank you so much for for jumping Mm. on the podcast with us and talking us through your shoe everyone i've said it at least five times now if you have not gone onto instagram and followed the company had a little look at the shoe if you are not reposting this shoe as you're listening to this you are crazy um so yeah thank you thank you very very much to you guys it's amazing to hear your stories it's amazing to hear the company story it's amazing to hear the background of the shoe um and we're very 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 much looking forward to the release of this shoe and uh, i mean if this is anything that future projects are going to be absolutely incredible as well so i just want to say thank you to the two of you yeah thank you so much for having us here um hope the boring detail you know uh, i won't really bore you guys too much um you know i tend to talk a lot not about the detail that people are not interested but hopefully give you guys a little bit the uh insider of it (laughs) Uh, you, you are uh, you are on a, a podcast that is dedicated weekly to sneakers uh, the people that listen to this podcast want to know about details that there, there's going to be people that are going to be geeking out right now learning about kind of the way that lines match up on shoes there's going to be people that are going to be pulling out their runners and thinking oh yeah those lines are straight so you've probably educated and, and, ha- and helped a lot of people and, and what you were mentioning there at the end about marketing is some of the smartest uh, kind of stuff that, that i've heard in regards to marketing so uh no thank you guys um just before we kind of let you guys go um we just will say that uh, what we're going to do is we're going to move on to our next segment now um our next segment is known as shoes round for anyone listening to this that has no idea what we're talking about every single week we spend a little bit of time um uh, reviewing some of the biggest sneaker headlines uh, it is me taking this segment this week so without further ado we are saying bye to tian and wilson and heading over to our shoes round studio for shoes round all right see you guys thanks guys (laughs) 
Okay, Scott, so we are over now to the Shoes Round studio and welcome everybody to Shoes Rounds. Um, it is just the two of us taking on the rest of the podcast. Tian and Wilson uh, weren't able to, to basically carry on with the podcast um i made it sound as if something tragic has happened and therefore they're <laughs> unable to carry on with the podcast no they're just releasing a shoe and therefore they have very very busy yeah. schedules trying to make sure that the shoe is available for everyone to buy as soon as possible yeah. um, so they were only scheduled to join us basically for the beginning interview part of the podcast um but this week with shoes round we're doing something a little bit different um there is only really one big news story that has been circulating uh, over the past week. By the time this episode releases, um, the, uh, the the news that we're about to talk about um, would have happened just over a week ago. And the news story that we are talking about is the tragic loss of Virgil Abloh um, uh, on the, the 28th of November. Um, Virgil Abloh, um, as we know, uh, the, the, the founder of, of Off-White, um, working with with Louis Vuitton all the amazing accolades that Virgil has been able to to kind of achieve over his his career um and uh, like I said is a huge loss to the sneaker world and we just thought that seeing as this is the first episode that we'd recorded since the news um we just wanted to use this segment to basically say that um uh, kind of our thoughts are, are with um, the the friends, family, and, and loved ones of Virgil, and it's it's an incredibly sad news story. Um, as I said, I think by the time this episode releases, a lot of people would have already started kind of processing this. Uh, I know for a lot of people, Virgil was their hero. A lot of people that are very close to us and personal friends um, were, uh, were were kind of Virgil had a big impact on, on their life. That he was an inspiration. He was a visionary. He was a mentor to people in lots of different ways. Um, and we just wanted to use this as an opportunity to say that although in previous episodes we might have maybe um, not agreed or, or liked some of the, the the product that Virgil was putting out with with Nike and Off-White um, but it's undeniable what impact he has had on the industry he's changed it absolutely for the better he has inspired like I said an entire generation to get into to shoes and uh, this industry of fashion streetwear and sneakers will, will never be the same uh, and it's all thanks to, to Virgil Abloh so I know I'm kind of rambling on a little bit because realistically what do you actually prepare um, for, for a story like this uh, but we just wanted to like I said use this as an opportunity to not talk about any other news stories and just simply say that uh, like I said we, we wanted to pay our respects and just say uh, again that our thoughts go out to everyone connected with Virgil um, you will be dearly missed yeah I mean when the news broke we we had just left Crap City um, and you know we'd been speaking to so many people um, about you know off white looking around and people buying off white shoes, and yeah, it, when the news broke, it, it was almost unbelievable. It was one of those that re- it hit home a lot more than I think it, people kind of expected it to. Um, I think it, it was such a surprise as well. Um, the fact that literally nobody had any clue, which is a testament to everybody because you know when times like that it's best like i said to keep it to yourself and kind of keep it private and you know respect their wishes and like i said we we have disagreed on some of the shoes that have come out from off-white but that's how it is you know if you are a creative mind as he was if everybody liked everything you did 
I, we've said before there's probably some you're probably doing something wrong and the fact that he pushed the boundaries so far um, the fact that he he basically brought aged look shoes shoes that were designed to age more rapidly to give you that aesthetic look it's become something that is a part of designs across De -deconstruct the board deconstructed yeah. shoes that, 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 that you know. and obviously one of the biggest things recently with the off-white two mm -hmm. opening up a whole new world of, of kind of artificially crumbled midsoles and scanning shoes to create direct direct replicas um yeah Vir virgil is an, an absolute innovator and a groundbreaker yeah every everything you know whether you like the stuff he's made um or not you cannot deny the impact he has had um his journey from funnily enough doing a master's in architecture which as we kind of spoke about previously and just the vision um and the level of detail that went into everything he did as i said very divisive but many creative minds are because you're not going to please everybody you're not going to like everybody but the vision and the stories that he told through what he did um just yeah will will leave a lasting impact forever and the sneaker world won't be the same um it wasn't once he got his fingers on it and going forward i don't think it will again it's just incredibly tragic i think it, it came out of nowhere for most a lot well everyone i think and yeah it's just put leaving your thoughts with um with kind of family and everybody that kind of worked with him and him on a personal basis because um from what we've seen and what we've heard um, like I said, there were many people that we knew that were kind of idle and people, some people that, yeah, did, had spoke, spoken to him. Um, he was very open with con talking to people on social media during the earlier stages and he seemed like just an incredible person, let alone a designer. So, yeah, um, our thoughts with everybody. Um on that note, I think now is probably a good opportunity for us to move on to our next segment. Um, this segment that we're referring to is Double Up, Double Down. Every single week we spend some time looking into our crystal ball of sneakers, um, looking at some upcoming releases, finding a shoe that we like, aka a double up, a shoe that we dislike, aka a double down, and a shoe that we think is going to fly a little bit under the radar, a sleeper pick. It is Scott taking this week's segment. So Scott, without further ado, I'm passing to you for Double Up, Double Down. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, on a positive note, we'll start with the double up. And this week, it is the New Balance Times SNS five seven four releasing on the eleventh of December. It's another New Balance SNS collab. Um, they've smashed nearly all the previous ones, and I don't think this is going to be much different. Um, the shoe is kind of made of quality materials as always um pigskin new bucks soft synthetic leather elements and a nylon lining um inspired by the endless beauty of raw nature which you can see with the color palette used um a lots of kind of greens um and kind of hits of lilac across it um beautiful it's meant to be based on kind of retro um looks the 574 is the perfect shoe for that um in my opinion very very um, underrated shoe in the New Balance um, catalogue um, and yeah it's just great the The marketing's been great as well with the illustrations um, kind of really added to it but I think I mean I'm a big fan of a 574 but these collabs like I said they add detail they add quality they just 
add probably th that next level to that shoe. Um, so yeah, very, very happy with this. Um, they look absolutely incredible. So the, the shoe itself is coming out on the 11th of yep. December, isn't it? 11th of it December. Is indeed, yes, £110. Um, £110 retail, which again is is a very, very good price for, for the quality that, that you're looking at here. Um, I really, really like the colour palette of the shoe. Uh, looking at the shoe, it has kind of like a, a lighter green um, towards the, the toe box, a slightly darker green mesh on the... Um, uh, on, on, on kind of top of the toe box so yeah the, the mud guard itself is kind of like a lighter green hairy suede kind of a, 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 a slightly darker green on the toe box and then as you start moving towards the mid panels you've got kind of even more of a darker green and it eventually kind of transitions from kind of like a green to a brown leather heel um, with kind of brown, really hairy suede towards the back of the shoe. And <laughs> yeah. like you said, Scott, the, the hits of purple um, in the sock liner and on the uh, the inside... Um, uh, the inside New Balance logos of the shoe. Uh, the outside is, again, hairy suede, kind of green. On the inside, it's purple. Um, like I said, the, 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 the tongue tab, the sock liner, the inside New Balance logo, beautiful, beautiful hits there of, of purple. The, the lace Dubray is purple as well. What's really cool, the shoe comes with multiple pairs of laces. So it has a sale pair of laces, a green pair of laces, and a purple pair of laces in there as well. So again, we always love a shoe that has multiple pairs of laces um and like you said earlier scott new balance and sns just keep producing quality shoe after quality shoe i will say and you and i have had lots of conversations um the many things that we end up butting heads about is the fact that you have a a real strong love for the 574 and i think that really roots from the the stories you've told of your red pair of 574s from college and it's kind of started there whereas for me i've never been personally connected with the 574 and for me becoming a, a bit of a new fa a new balance fan recently in my eyes i kind of think yeah it's a nice looking shoe but i'd always rather have a 577 that's a made in uk shoe or um the 1300 that's a made in us but actually when the collaborations um are done on the 574 uh, the materials just seem to jump up a notch uh, and it's arguably kind of made in quality here um the the size 574 the orange earlier on in the year was absolutely amazing this looks equally as amazing so yeah um it's enough to turn my head and like i said it's i, I don't turn my head for a lot of 574s um that's probably a very snobbish new balance um uh, opinion and a lot of people probably agree with a lot of new balance fans it's kind of made in or nothing but um but yeah this is definitely one that's uh, grabbing my attention and it's a lovely lovely shoe yeah no really good um there's been a lot of really good stuff um there's been a lot of really good 574s this year actually um that have gone very much under the radar i mean you said the size um yeah the gray day lots. yeah the gray day history pack um yeah just lots of really good ones lots of really um social collaboration styles um done a good one yeah it's really good um 574 I think it's had a it's had a good year, um, very underrated year. But anyway, moving on to the double down, and this is a shoe that I have already put on the double down list, so we're doing it again in a different colorway. It is the Nike B Do Win in the triple black colorway, coming out on the 9th of December at 115 pounds. Um, so the B Do Win, um, based on the Nike Bedouin, um, an 80 silhouette that kind of went a bit under the radar, um, moccasin style upper. 
with what, I mean, I'm not quite sure what the midsole is. Even Nike on their website don't actually list what the midsole is made out of. I'm assuming it is polyfiller. Um, but yeah, the Bidu Win, um, which is meant to be a very environmentally conscious shoe, hence the name. Be conscious of climate change. Do take action against climate change and win the battle to prevent climate change. That's that um, Boris Johnson uh, speech again. You, the first when we did the multicolored pair, you, I'm pretty sure you can just if you put the two clips next to each other, you've nailed it both times, mate. The Boris Johnson impression for the win. I mean, this is literally coming from the sneakers app, <laughs> so clearly they're getting some advice from somewhere they probably shouldn't be. But there we are. So yeah, triple black of a shoe that I already dislike. Therefore, it's getting another double down. I dislike this one as well. This is a real shame because the multicolored one is so good. Like I, you obviously don't dis. I know you're going to disagree, Scott. You've literally just said you don't like the shoe, so I don't need you to jump down my throat and say, "Meh, you're wrong." Meh, meh, meh. Um, the the shoe itself, I think, is a very um unique silhouette i really like the kind of moccasin upper and actually in person i don't mind the the polyfiller midsole either i mean i won't deny it does look like you've just stuck paper mache to the bottom of a shoe but actually when you see it in hand and you squish it it does look like quite a forgiving um, material um, and like i said the multicolored pair i really really like it was in the black friday sales not too long ago for a couple of retailers and i if i had disposable income i probably would have picked up a pair that being said, this shoe here looks absolutely atrocious. Um, the triple black colorway makes this look like a school shoe. In fact, the exact shape of this shoe, when I was at school, Scott, you know when you're at school and kids will take the mick out of you for literally anything. Um, if you didn't have a pair of school shoes that looked exactly like this, um, you were taking the mick out of. Like If you didn't have that kind of like block shoe that kind of looked like this, it, it basically it was like a, a wallaby-esque looking school shoe. Um, if you didn't have that particular pair of school shoes, you were ripped to shit. And uh, it looks exactly like this. And I do not want to be reminded of uh, that period of my life where, like you said, if you so much as sneezed incorrectly, you were probably going to be the school joke for, for God knows how many years. So this is a hard no. Um, but like I said, I will defend the Be Do Win. The multicolored pair is nice regardless what anyone says. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people saying that. Um, hey, Scott, it's an 80s shoe. Of course I'm going to like it. <laughs> it's just about retro enough. Just about. Anyway, we'll we'll go on to the sleeper pick. Um, another New Balance. And this is a good week for them. Um, the shoe that's been the sleeper pick for this week is the New Balance XC72. The uh, race car for your shoe, for your feet. Um, this shoe... We've spoken about this previously. This model has not been our favourite. Um, but this is not just any XC72. This is a Casablanca collaboration. Um, and, I mean, Casablanca, with their collaborations, have smashed it with New Balance. Um, the 327s they've done have just been absolutely fantastic. Um, all the colourways have been great. And, yeah, this one is literally a cream um, and white shoe um so the xc72 is it's quite an aggressive um looking shoe kind of 70s inspired um but yeah this one they're calling it marshmallow white um predominantly high quality suede and perforated leathers 
I'm, st I'm still not 100% sold on the silhouette, but this is definitely the best version of this shoe that I've seen so far. It looks quality. Um, maybe it's just sail laces with a gold aglet. Maybe that's just the key to quality, because for some reason I look at that and go, Phew, that looks all right. Um, but yeah, it, it's this is the most sold I've been on this silhouette since I've seen it. Um, it's still quite aggressive. They're really leaning into this whole race car thing, because the box is green and white checkerboard like the kind of finish flag um but yeah it, it's it's nice it's very nice it's clean it's i would say it's simple the colorway is simple the silhouette itself is definitely not um but yeah i'm i'm actually a bit of a fan of these i think these could be quite nice so i can't i can't remember whether you've just um actually given this information because i'm a little bit flabbergasted that you have picked this as the sleeper pick to be perfectly honest i know that you're not the biggest fan of this silhouette but this particular shoe is releasing again on the 11th of december uh, for a recommended retail price of 130 pounds um, and i kind of agree with what you've said scott this is probably the most inoffensive version of the xc um 72 just because, like you said, it is white and cream and it has the name of Casablanca attached to it. So, you know, that suede is going to be beautiful. You know, the leather is going to be beautiful. So, in regards to quality, um, this shoe is is going to be right up there. I, I flip flop with this silhouette quite heavily. One minute I see it and I'm like, yeah, this looks really good. The next minute I see it and I'm kind of like, no, I can't. I just can't do it. Um so yeah i'm not entirely sold on it very similar to yourself this is going to be one of those shoes that i'm going to see on a shelf and think no i don't like it i'll turn around and see someone wearing it and think shit i need a pair um it's going to be that it's it, it's all about how you style this shoe is going to be the biggest thing because the silhouette itself is such I mean, you keep saying aggressive. It is such an aggressive shoe with the big kind of uh, outsole uh, creeping up the, the toe box and the difference in kind of circular um, waffle patterns almost. And then the other side having what looks like a, a tractor um, tire. It, it, it's just very, very mad. Again, yeah. I, I'm not really making... This is probably the first time on this podcast that we've picked one of these three picks and I'm not really saying whether I like it or dislike it. I'm very undecided at the minute, but I appreciate why it's a sleeper pick because this is something you're going to be able to, I could, if I do see pictures on Instagram that change my mind about this, I will be able to, even in probably three months time, be able to walk into a shop and pick this up off the shelf. So yeah, yeah. De definite, it... definite sleeper pick. I'm not quite sold on it yet. Yeah. If they could tone down, the midsole, the outsole, sorry. But then it would be a that, different shoe. Then yeah. you're basically just describing you're basically describing the white and cream three two seven that they already have yeah, done with I Casablanca. Think, I think it's just like I say, the whole idea of the yeah, mismatched kind of same shoe the yeah. I'm I'm not quite sure why they did it like that. I think yeah, there could have been some design tweaks, but it, it kind of it it reminisces a bit of what Tian said because you know, you've got a very kind of aggressive and very interesting shoe design terms. And it seems to have worked better with a more subtle color palette. Whereas, yeah. you know, it's exactly what they said. They went with a runner because they didn't want to disrupt too much because of what they're doing was so kind of interesting itself. If they picked a really aggressive shoe, it's just too much. 
So I think it, it it's a nice balance. Um, like I said, I think this is the best one they've done so far. Um, I mean, definitely better than the DHL colorway that they did. God knows why they did that. But yeah, um, that's it for the week. Like I said, there's some good releases. There's, I will say there's certainly a lot more double downs this week than there are double ups. But there are that's also some, some weeks. That's there how are goes. also some delayed releases coming that will make up for it. I'm sure. So. Yeah. Well, as long as they can fall on my week, so it makes my job easier. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, 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 yeah, that's that's what we want to see. We want to make your weeks harder and my weeks easier. But, Thank um, you. Uh, but just to remind everyone that this segment is in connection with at tidy underscore tie dye. Um, if you like any of these shoes and you would like some socks to match, make sure that you head over to the Instagram page um, and also the Sneak Supply website, which you can also buy um, uh, Mike's socks. Um, not actually Mike's socks, but the socks that he dyes. Straight um, off his feet. Yeah, straight off his feet. <laughs> <laughs> wraps them up in a sandwich bag and shoves a stamp on it. Um, no, he, they uh, tidy tie dye. Uh, they do uh, an absolute unbelievable range of, of socks. Block dyes, tie dyes, bleached, um, the whole work. So make sure that you go and check it out. But Scott, that finishes season two, episode one. Um, mm. I am going to address one thing. And it's only because it feels very, very weird saying it. Um, and uh, seeing as we're changing the cover art for the episode, um, we might as well completely change it. I don't want this to be season two. I want this to be series two. Can we agree on that? Can it be series two? I feel like series is much more British. I, uh, I mean, if you want, I mean... Yeah, I'm not going back and changing all of them. We're not changing 52 artworks. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll, ha- we'll, we'll have season one, series two. You're going to really fuck with a lot of people on this. They're going to be like, "What? this is, no. For such a creature of habit, like, I'm, I'm surprised at all this change in one day. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling frivolous today. What can I say? Um, anyways, this is now uh, the end. Thank you for listening to episode one of series too um remember if you like this episode leave us a five-star rating and review and share the podcast with your friends and family make sure you follow at doubled up podcast uh, on instagram and use hashtag doubled up pod to be featured on the instagram page you can find me matt at sw sneakers underscore on instagram scott tell the listeners where they can find you you can find me at underscore sneaker teacher and I know our guest is no longer here, but for the probably 52nd time today, um, make sure that you go over and follow at uh, Official on Instagram and check out their website. But thank you Please very do. much, guys. Speak to you next time. Goodbye. See you.